okay? Let this be a lesson to you kids. Get on the church email list. David uh, Whetstone is our <sighs> hands and feet in Togo, Africa. I've invited the, the, the students to stay with us because David was a youth leader long before. That's for you. We got chili day. I got that for David. Um, <laughs> David moved to uh, Nashville to be a part of Conduit and has, I say, moved here very loosely because he has spent uh, the last six months of this year and the previous, actually seven months, and the year before, six months in Togo, Africa. It's a treat because I didn't even think we were going to get to have him join us until like December because when he's in America, he's got to be traveling and telling the story and gathering the army of which we're already a part. But it just so happened that the window of opportunity came open this morning and we found out like 48 hours ago. So I'm like, absolutely, if you could come. So David, it's, it's all yours. Whatever the Lord has put on your heart, um, you might want to share just a couple seconds about what has happened just for anybody that doesn't know. But other than that, it's all yours. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an incredible journey over the last seven months. Uh, I'm going to tell you real briefly about a few miracles that took place. Uh, but I want to talk more about your miracle. Everybody is looking for a miracle in our day, right? We want to see that miracle. We want to see God move in our lives and there's a miracle for you this morning. You just have to receive it and take it and run with it. When I landed in Africa, I landed, uh, and uh, if you know the story, you land in Ghana, you get on a, a four-hour ride, you cross the border into Togo, you get on a rickety bus, uh, you drive uh, 12 hours up north, and you either get in another rickety van or truck or a motorcycle, depending on the weather, and you drive another two and a half hours into the village. And that is where you find us. You, there's a group of people, roughly around 10,000 in our village. And with my eyes, I'm looking across land that is just bush. In seven months, we cleared the land. We, put, uh, we built a pastor's home, which is going to be the clinic, but right now Pastor William's in it. Uh, we have a um, feeding center. We have uh, four uh, buildings that are used now as the school. We've started a class one, two, three, and four school with highly trained, educated teachers. Uh, and we have 91 fully sponsored orphans. Uh, and I think roughly around six on full-time staff out in this village. God is doing something. He's moving and he's doing incredible miracles. We also saw the first water well that ever went into this village, which was an amazing sight. We were told that uh, we would not find water. I even, there was even a, a pastor slash businessman that drove 12 hours to stand in front of our property to say, David, you're setting yourself up for failure if you move here. And I said, I don't know about that. God told us to go to the ends of the world. This is it. This is the closest to hell I've ever been. And I believe this is where I'm supposed to be. And uh, I, I'll tell you that miracle at another time. But would you allow me to, to, to just get past that? And would you allow me just to share my heart with you this morning? Would you mind? Would that be okay? Because, you know, truthfully, I don't care about Africa. I don't care about the 91 orphans. I don't care that they're thirsting to death and dying. I don't care about you. How can you say that, David? Because anything that is good of me is of God. If I love you, I love you because of God. If I love those orphans, I love them because of God. 
No one in their right mind is gonna leave a perfectly good country, go into the middle of nowhere to reach them apart from the love of God. If you want to see revival in America, we are going to have to get back to the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Young people, I wanna talk to you this morning. Y'all don't mind if I'm a little crazy, do you? I'm nuts. By the way, I am a superstar. I get asked to go everywhere. I keep the airlines in business and it never surprises me that people ask me to come and speak, never. What surprises me is they ask me to come back. Listen, already in our world, over 50% of our world is under the age, the population is under the age of 25 years old. Do you realize that most people accept Christ, decide to follow Jesus before they turn 20? Over close to 90% of the people choose to follow Christ by the age of 20 and below. But did you know since 1972, missions in America has been on a great decline? And they're telling us by 2030 that missions in America and the church will be dead, and I say praise God. I cannot wait for the church in America to die. Because once the North American church dies and the New Testament church rises up, we will see revival once again. Now listen to me. They're saying that over 85% of young people are leaving the church between their freshman year, of, uh, I mean their senior year of high school, their freshman year of college. Where is the hope in America? The hope in America is you. The hope in America is not that you go to church, carry your Bible, read your two-second devotion, you, you cookie-cut this thing called religion. It's about having an intimate relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about a love affair with a God that loves you so much. Let me tell you something, when I was your age, I went through the emotions of, yeah, I love God. Yeah, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, forgive me my sins, I'm going to heaven. I went through that one, two, three, repeat after me prayer. I, I, that's where I was when I was your age. But you know, lately, especially over the last seven months, I have seen so many powerful miracles. I have seen God in a way that I've never seen him before. And I'm telling you, there is an anointing in my life now because I have literally seen the power of Jesus Christ and you can see him too. The Bible says, if you seek me, you will, find, you will find me. He's not hiding from you. And I encourage you, you have the power inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit to change what statistics says. By 2030, the church will die. You are the church. Conduit. Listen, they asked me when I got back here, they said, David, what is the thing that you miss the most? What is the thing that you like the most when you got back here? And I said, a hot shower. We take it for granted, I enjoyed my hot shower. I stayed in there for about 30 minutes. I liked my hot shower. They say, what is the thing you dislike the most? I said, church. I am so encouraged when I come here because I see broken people. I see people that are normal. People that aren't going through the emotions of a religious experience, they come here and they are desiring more of God. That's what I see when I come here. But you know what I'd like to see more? I would like to see more of the 
power of the Holy Spirit moving in each and every one of us. That way we can go down the line and every one of us have a testimony of exactly what God is doing in and through us in our communities, in and through us in our neighborhoods, in and through us in our church body. That everyone is giving sacrificially. Everybody is evangelizing the world. You see, I haven't been called to preach either. No more than you have. Truthfully, we've all been called to preach. Preach is interpreted to proclaim the gospel. We're all to be proclaimers of the gospel. So you are preachers and the world needs to hear. I want to share with you this morning briefly about some miracles. Some miracles that could change our nation. Some miracles that can change our communities. Will you listen? I'm not gonna take the time to, to read all of these verses, but in John 1, 32 to 42, if you're taking notes, the first disciple that Jesus calls was John and he was appointed by God and filled by the Holy Ghost while he was still in his mother's womb. His mother was Elizabeth and Zacharias was the priest, that was his father. And see, while he was still in his mother's womb, John was appointed by God to pave the way for the soon coming Messiah. And John began discipling Andrew, saying, the Lord is coming. And in verse 36 of this chapter, you see where John tells Andrew, look, behold, the Lamb of God. And when Andrew heard this, they both began to follow Jesus. And Andrew then ran home to find his brother, Simon, to tell him what he had seen. And Simon became a follower of Jesus Christ. God changed Simon's name to Peter, which is also interpreted Cephas or the stone. Listen to me. The, the amazing thing is when you finally get to Jesus, you can't help but tell your brother. You can't help but tell everyone around you. This is the challenge I want to give you this morning. This time next year, if each and every one of us Christ followers would do what we say we are and mimic Jesus, that's what Christian means, we would mimic Jesus, we would all be on a rampage to reach the world. So I'm going to encourage you. Every one of you this year, don't look to evangelize Africa. Don't look to evangelize Haiti. Don't look to evangelize everyone around you. Look to evangelize and reach one person. If every one of us in here reached just one person, they're probably, we would be running out of room in here if we just reached one person. It's all about multiplication. God is in the purpose of changing your name and changing your character. Listen to this. Abram was Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Sarah was, uh, or Sarah became Sarah, which means princess. Jacob is, was Israel, and Jacob originally meant deceiver, but now Israel means God strives. In Revelations 2.17, the Bible says that every one of us will be given a new name. What are people calling you in your neighborhood? What are they calling you in your church? You see, Joseph's name, they changed him to Barnabas because he was a son of consolation. He was an encourager. What would someone call you? Man, I tell you, that person, he's got anointing on him. He is an encourager. Or would you, they say he's a mimicker or, or a mocker or he, he is a gossiper. He's a divider. What are people saying about you? Because whether you know it or not, somebody's named you. Jesus is giving us a new name. I find many times in our churches today, they're seeking a name for themselves. Oftentimes it's under the name of senior pastor. Uh, this is the senior pastor of campus 277. And uh, he is, you know, they, such a pedestal. It's like, what in the world? Who are you? I didn't come to hear you. Okay. You're no better than I am. We are all seeking names. Sometimes it's in the corporate world, such as president or vice president, doctors, lawyers. 
I wonder what it would be like if in our churches in our bodies, we would begin seeking a name that lifts up the name of Jesus and, and that they would see our good works but glorify the Father in heaven. I wonder what it would look like, Conduit, if we focused on developing a name, not for ourselves, but to exalt Jesus, to lift him above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and the things under the earth. As you continue on in the book of John, by the way, I'm gonna talk fast so uh, y'all can eat your chili. As you continue on in the book of John, you will find where Jesus begins his earthly ministry. And the first miracle you will read about is where Jesus, Mary, and his disciples are attending a wedding in Canaan. And Jesus plans to solve this embarrassing problem because Mary informed him that we've ran out of wine. But he also told Mary, I've not simply come to perform miracles. That is not the purpose of me coming to this earth. Mary sees that he might be a little frustrated so he she goes to the disciples and says whatever he tells you to do just do it and they were instructed to fill six 18 gallon stone water pots full of water and the first miracle that you read about is the changing of water to wine I find it significant that Jesus chose a wedding at which to perform his first miracle the oldest and the greatest of institutions that's known of man is that of marriage and God himself performed the first wedding in Canaan and, and the father would later choose that relationship between a man and a woman to illustrate his love for the church. And still we are waiting for the great event of all the age and that is when the marriage of God's son to his chosen bride, which is you and I. Then on the early days of Jesus' Galilean ministry, he's preaching. And he's saying, repent and believe the gospel. And the nobleman desiring that his son be healed and God healed the nobleman's son, which brings us to the latter days of Jesus's Galilean ministry, which is what I'd like to speak to you about this morning. And it's the miracle of when he calls into service, Peter, Andrew, James, and John as they're casting their nets into the Galilean sea. Listen to this, Jesus' request was this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And their response was this, they immediately left their nets and they followed him. You see, what Jesus wants you to do, young people, is he wants you to, to recognize who you are. You see, religion will teach you that you've got to look pretty, you've got to do everything right, when Jesus actually wants you to recognize the position and the situation that you're in. And the position that we are in, we are rotten. We are evil, we are wicked, there is nothing good in us apart from Jesus Christ. And when we recognize that and we allow our brokenness in him to collect those pieces and put it together, after we are emptied out of ourselves, he pours us like the wine he poured into those buckets and it becomes the, the wine of the spirit. And then you know what we become? We are dead, therefore we are nothing more than carriers and automobiles, transporters or transmitters of the Holy Spirit. You know how we have light in here this morning? It's because transmitters are all around our city and it plugs into a power source and once it goes into that power source, it then lights up the entire city through these transmitters. You see, that's the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. We plug ourselves into the power we become the transmitters and we light up the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have the power to do that if you allow yourself to die. The title, if I had one this morning, is this. I just wish church people would die. I just wish, if anything, church people would die. The Bible says, 
I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. He did not create you to have this big, wonderful, glamorous life. As a matter of fact, he told those that followed him, he said this. He said, if you follow me, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but if you follow me, you're not even going to have a place to sleep. But you know what we hear in our day? If you follow Jesus, there will be blessings in your finances. There will be blessings in your marriage. There will be blessings in everything you do. You're not going to experience anything. There's going to be blessings, blessings, blessings. That's totally the opposite of what Jesus said. If you follow me, you're not even going to have a place to lay your head. Oh, but you know, I've got to take care of my family, and you know, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And Well, heck, they just came out with a new operating system. I've got to get that, you know. What are we doing? If we got serious, church, listen to me. I hope to God I make you so mad this morning you go home and think about this for weeks. If you got serious about being what you say you are, we would turn the world upside down with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you something, church, it's not gonna happen in the cathedrals. And I'm not, I'm not talking about religion as in cathedrals. I'm talking, it's not gonna happen in the buildings. It's gonna happen in places like Conduit that recognizes who we are and says, I am a heathen, but thank you, God, that you'll use me. I just wish church people would die. All right, turn to Luke chapter five. I'm gonna really run through this. I'm gonna have fun with it. I'm gonna hopefully get a little theatrical. No telling us what may happen. All right, we're gonna read fast. Uh, Luke 5, starting in verse one. On one occasion when the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answering, Master, listen, we've told all night long and have taken nothing, but whatever you say, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, be not afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Get this, here Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus back here if that's cool. Y'all listen, here's Jesus and he is, um, uh, he's preaching along the lake of Gennesaret. Jesus really didn't go to the synagogues much. He didn't like hanging around the religious crowd. <laughs> I don't either, do you? Uh-uh. Uh, so Jesus spent most of his ministry out into the, in the community, in the marketplace. But this particular time, he's walking along the beach and he's preaching and he's teaching and the crowd began to press on him so much that there was no room in between uh, the, the land and the sea. And as they were pressing on him, he probably, they, they, they came so close that they, his voice was not projecting over the crowd. So he looks around for a quick fix and he sees Peter. And Peter is there washing his nets and packing up. And he says, uh, sir, do you mind if I sit on the bow of your boat and, um, 
and, and teach these people. And Simon Peter says, dude, sure, no problem, man. I like that. Yeah, okay, I'll just get a little bit off the land. Just sit there, you know, sit down so you don't fall off, you know. And, and then Jesus begins to preach. I, I would say if he's preaching today, he would say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ your Lord. For God so loved the world, I would say he's telling about the, the love of Jesus. No matter where you are in life, he loves you and he's here for you. I, I wonder what he was preaching that day, but I just imagine it was something along those lines. When Jesus was finished, he, he, he stood up and he said, now Simon Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. I want you to leave the shallow water and I want you to launch out. And Simon Peter says, dude, I have been out all night long doing this and I am the professional after all. Have you ever fished? You know, I am, I've been doing this all night long and working hard, dude, and we caught nothing. Jesus says, I, I want you to go. Uh, there's no use to arguing with you. Sure, whatever you say, I'll go do it, but I'm gonna show you. And he gets in the boat and he launches out into the deep. And what happens? We all know the story. The boats began to sink because the nets were so full they began to break, right? And he called, he called his partners who were in the other boats, help, I'm sinking. And their boats also became so full that they began to sink. And then Simon Peter fell down at Jesus' knees. And you know what he said? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Score! Ha! That means that's me. That is who I am. I am that sinful, wretched, no good thought. The thoughts that go through my mind are just so wicked. I'm telling you guys. Even today, by the way, when you get out of this teenager thing, this thing with girls and all that, it's not gonna go away. It's gonna get worse. Just wanna encourage you there, okay? <laughs> It's gonna get a lot worse. But, but here's Simon Peter and he falls down at Jesus' knees. I have an analytical mind. I wonder why he fell down at his knees instead of his feet. If I was falling down to Jesus, I would fall down as, I would like to think that Jesus is cool enough to be standing in the bow of the boat, knee deep in fish. And so when Simon Peter fell down at his feet, he hit his knees and he says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, yeah, I know exactly who you are. You're certainly not that religious crowd and I sort of like it. So why don't you get up and from now on, you're gonna catch men. And when he did this, he said, okay, that's awesome, dude. Uh, i tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna run down to the market and I'm gonna cash in all of these fish because after all, God, you would not give me all of this and expect me just to walk away from it. I mean, I got, I got a family to take care of. I got, I got this, I got it. And I need to, I'll go cash this. I tell you what, dude, I, I'm gonna go cash this in and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the money in the bank in case, you know, hard times come. I got a little bit of padding and you don't really come through for me, you know, uh, because this fate thing sort of is not on the top of my list. So what I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna take care of these fish and then I'll meet up with you at 12 o'clock. I'm not saying I'm not gonna follow you. I'm just saying, you gave me this blessing, and I know you don't want me to walk away from it. That's exactly what he said, right? Huh. No, he said, and he immediately forsook it all, and he followed Jesus. I would say that was the best decision of his life. He left it all to follow Jesus. I want to share with you just four quick points. First of all, if you wanna be a follower of Christ, and let me tell you something, we're all followers, right? Every one of us, you know the parents, I'm so proud of Johnny, he's a leader, he's not a follower, we're not gonna to have to worry about him. We're all followers, truthfully, every one of us. 
We're followers of something or someone, every one of us. My grandmother loves her game shows to this day. I didn't even know they still came on the TV. She loves her game shows. She knows every family by name that's ever come across the family feud or spent the will on prices right and will of fortune. And she speaks of Bob Barker and Vanna White as if they're family. She loves her game shows. You might like the Tennessee Vols if you're saved. <laughs> or maybe the Titans. Maybe you always get in trouble here because I speak to a lot of youth, but I'm out of the country half the year. I don't know what's on TV, so I always get the youth pastor to come up. You know those, uh, you know those, uh, you know those shows that you mentioned. They're not, they're not really appropriate. But anyways, I still say it because I don't know what it is. But like maybe you follow Real World or Survivor or all these different reality shows, and you're just really into it. And it's almost like I hope Charlie doesn't get voted off the island. You know, we get so into it. We're followers of something or someone, right? I want to tell you someone worth following. But in order to follow this person, the first thing that you have to decide is this. One, two, three, repeat after me. Dear Lord, dear Lord, come into my heart, come into my heart. Forgive me of sins, forgive me of sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, dunk them down and let's write out a card and they're in the body, amen. Don't you hate that? That's the part of church that I despise. I despise that junk. But anyways, what I do like is this. Will you follow Jesus? Will you, young people, listen to me. Will you choose right now, if you haven't already, to follow Jesus? To give him your life, the good, the bad, everything. Would you choose now to follow Jesus? In order to be a disciple, you must first repent and believe the gospel. The Bible says, now after John was put in prison, this is the time he was arrested, Jesus came to where he was and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and he said this, the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. That was his message, repent and believe the gospel. Let's move on. I'm encouraging you to follow Jesus. The second thing you must do in order to be a true disciple of Jesus you know, this whole thing like Christian. By the way, when you read about Christian, it was uh, in the church of Antioch was the first time that Christian was ever mentioned. And it was the crowd that was looking in saying, yeah, those people are those Christians. Those are those Christ followers. Well, in our culture, you wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a Christian and you are in. You know what I'm saying? I wonder when our crowd the people that don't follow Jesus will again look in and say, yeah, those people down at the conduit thing, whatever they do, there's something different about those people. You know, they're, they're not quite the religious crowd. I mean, they're a little out there. Thank God. Um, I fit in. Uh, they're a little out there, but you know, they, they actually love God. In order to, to be a follower of Christ, you've got to deny yourself. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For what is a man of advantage, uh, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or fits, forfeits himself? You see, there was a, a survey that went uh, not too long ago and the question is, what is the most important thing to you in life? And they said, uh, a name, I just want a name. The second thing was to be a success to have money. I just want to be happy. 
And number five was friends. And you know what? They die and they go to a place where none of those things exist. There are no names in hell, but the Bible says in heaven, your name's forever remembered. To be a success. Hell is certainly not a success, but heaven is. Money. You know, we talk about all that God gives us in heaven, and that's not the reason we want to go to heaven, I hope. I hope it's because we are madly in love with our maker, but we get mansions and streets of golds and all. You talk about money, you're going to sell your soul for the average of 70 years on this life, die and go to a place where none of these things exist, when I get to experience it for all eternity? I want to be happy. Happiness is only with Jesus and friends. You will have friends in heaven, but obviously in hell, you're alone. It's a dark place. You, can't, you won't even be able to see as far as your face right, or your hand right in front of your eyes. You've got to deny your worldly desires, your lustful thoughts, everything that's holding you back. Be willing to deny yourself. You know those things that your spirit wants? You know, truthfully, in America, I don't like myself. I really don't. That's why I try to go out as much as I can because I, I am very materialistic. I like nice things, and I like, I'm not going to tell you everything I like, but I, I like nice things. I'm materialistic, but I want to deny myself, and I want to die. Listen to me. I just wish church people would die. Get this, the third thing, if you're writing. Forsake everything you have. Luke 14, 35 says, so, uh, so whoever that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it, it season? It is neither fit for the land, the King James says, nor for the dunghill, but men cast it out, and he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now listen, it took me years to understand this. I had to go through Greek and Hebrew and you know, the different translations, so I'm going to tell you something, but you're not going to really get it without my explanation, so you can thank God for all the years that I went to school. It's deep, deep theology. That word dung heel means poop. <laughs> Do you hear that, guys? It means poo-poo. That's what that word dung heel means. And what Jesus is saying here, or the scriptures are saying, is saying, if you've lost the ability to cause people to thirst and hunger for what you have, you're not even fit for the land or for the dung hill, but you are to be trodden under the foot of men. You're to be walked over by the foot of men. You're not worth anything to me because you're not living out your purpose. You see, when you take poo-poo, manure, and you add salt to it, it becomes incredible fertilizer. But if you take the salt out, it's nothing but a stinky mess. And Jesus says, if you do not cause people to thirst and hunger for what I have, cause, for, what you, for what I've given you, you're not even fit for a pile of poo-poo. God, God didn't go, oh, I just want to encourage y'all this morning. Jesus is love, love, love. We just love everybody and we love God. We don't want to have to step on any toes because that might mean you leave in your tithe. And, you know, we have a lot of staff on, you know, in, in buildings. And, you know, after all, I got a housing allowance. So I'm not going to touch anything that really hurts you. But God says, you ain't worth poop. Let's get real, right? Let's just get real. If you aren't causing people to thirst and hunger for God, you're not worth poop. Oh, uh, if I wasn't on radio or whatever the thing is, I would say something. But 
We got to be good. Okay, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salt? It's good for nothing, but it be cast out, trodden under the foot of men. Let your light so shine before men that they see, may see your good works and glory your Father which is in heaven. Give me 10 more minutes and I'll be done. Listen to me. When I was growing up, I, I, would, uh, I was brought up in like the camp meetings and the old, uh, you know, almost uh, Pentecostal stuff, which is good. It's good for you. And then the pastor would come in here, it's time to go to meeting, amen. I'm gonna swing, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol swinging from a rotten grapevine like it lump it, park it, or pay rent. I'm not gonna give up, back up, or shut up, amen. It's time to get right with God, amen. And then I'm telling you, we'd even have these hallelujah hankies. I'm telling you, they were hankies that they wrote hallelujah hankies in there. Woo! Woo! Amen, glory to God, he's got the spirit, hallelujah. And then there was a preacher that would come in and he would go, he would go, hi, I got something to tell you today. He said, when I was a boy, I would wake up in the morning. I, I worked on the farm, you see. I bet none of you know what four o'clock in the morning is, but I'd have to get up every morning and work the farm before I went to school. The best part of waking up, I'd hear mama get up and the old, uh, the old uh, wood floor would creak as she was walking down the ha hallway. She'd walk outside and that old screen door would swing open and and I knew mama was out going to the old salt block house. In that old salt block house, there was a, there was a ham hock. And you know what a ham hock is? She'd take a big old knife, a sharp knife, and she'd, she'd cut a big old thick piece of that ham off, the ham that it's been salt cured, and she'd take it in the house. And she would, that screen door, I knew, oh, it's getting closer now. And she'd take the old cast iron frying pan. I'm telling you, she didn't use, she didn't use them Teflon pans. Mm, I'm talking about a cast iron pan. <laughs> and she would put that ham in there and she'd put them eggs and you'd begin to sizzle. And you know, she had just made them cat eye biscuits with sausage gravy. Whoa, I'm preaching now. <laughs> and we'd sit down for breakfast and I'd begin to eat. And boy, was it good. And that salt on that ham made me thirsty. He said, I'd have to go to school. Teacher wouldn't understand why I had to keep going to the water fountain, but I couldn't hardly swallow. But I'd go and in order to keep the swallower going down, I'd get some water. But no telling, no, no telling how much I drink. I, I, you could hear it every time I walk, it'd go whoosh, 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 whoosh. I was so thirsty. I'm talking about the salt from the ham made me thirsty. It made me real thirsty. And then, boy, I tell you, he would, he, he, it's almost like a clock winding up. He would go, I wonder what it'd be like. If we cause people to mm, thirst and hunger for the things of God, like that salt made me thirst for water, because when you get them to the spirit of water, they'll drink of that water and they'll never thirst again. Hallelujah. Huh. Amen. Listen, conduit. Oh my goodness. If you could see what's happening in the church in Africa because it's just raw and real and it's not rehearsed and it's not this glamorous 
pastor that's been through years and years of, uh, of education who's now the doctorate of the doctorate and knows everything and travels all over the world preaching and his, his face is plastered all over billboards and, and, and come and see in Chicago and come and see in Coliseum and come and see in Atlanta and come and see. No, he's just a simple old African man that has been educated just that much enough to be crazy enough to sell out for Jesus and he goes into a village with his family who are more sick than well because of the situation but he gives his life every morning. I talked to him at five this morning and I talked to him in the hall right here at 10 o'clock and he says, David, you would not believe the growth of these people. He, do, he doesn't have a doctor. He doesn't have all this, this plastered uh, diplomas and all this different stuff on his wall. He just has Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's all he's got. And you should see the church. The New Testament church and the scriptures say, and many were added to the church daily. And that's what's happening in Africa. Listen to me. I don't care about Africa. I don't care about Haiti. I don't care about Asia. I don't care about any of those places. Without Jesus, I don't care. But with Jesus, what would we do? I care about the church. I don't care about mentor leaders, not one that God never told me to start mentor leaders in an organization. He told me to further his, and his organization and institution is the local church. Conduit, you are his institution. You are his bride. Stop flirting with the world and stop having a love affair while your, your groom is up building you a beautiful home. Stop having the affair. When he comes back, what is he gonna catch you doing? You're grieving his spirit. We're playing the game of church. Church, die. Listen to me, Christians, die. I'm telling you right now, because of what Christian has become in America, don't call me one. I am not a Christian. People ask me, are you a Christian? I say, no, I'm not. Well, hold on, what do you mean, am I a Christian? Explain to me what you, no, I'm not that. Mm -mm. No, do not lump me in with that crowd. I don't want it. I don't want it. The last thing is this. Guys, uh, are y'all gonna sing a song at the end? <clears throat> Go ahead and come up if you will. The last thing is this. <clears throat> is take up your cross and follow Christ. If you wanna be a true disciple of Jesus Christ and whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Listen to me, guys, I have <clears throat> talked a lot, but it boils down to this. Repent and believe the gospel. F decide to follow Jesus. Be willing to deny everything that is not of God. Forsake, be willing to forsake everything you have. And I'm gonna put a clause in here. That doesn't mean you can't have nice things. But if you have so many nice things that you can't afford to give to your church to help the evangelize, you've bought something out of the will of God because God would never have you buy all that stuff to where you can't do what he created you to do. So you have purchased something that, that is not in God's will. Get rid of it. Conduit. Let's give a million dollars away this coming year to missions. Let's not only give one million dollars away, but let's reach everybody that is around us. Each one reach one. Young people, get a fire. When you walk your halls of your high school, 
You don't have to be a freak. You don't have to be, uh, uh, you know, carry your Bible like this and, and quote in scripture. Just, just allow the aroma of the Holy Spirit to pour out of your life. And people will begin to say, man, I'm, I'm thirsty. <clears throat> Every time I get around that, that guy, he makes me thirsty. What is up with you? Dude, why don't you come with me to my church, my family? and see for yourself. Mm. Whatever it is, I want it. Cause people to thirst and hunger for the things of God. In closing, your wealth, your fame, and your temporal power will shrivel to irrelevance. And it will not matter what you owned or what you were owed, your grudges, resentments, frustrations, and jealousies in life will finally disappear. So too, your hopes, ambitions, plans, to-do lists will all expire. The wins and the losses that once seemed so important, they will fade away. It won't matter where you came from or what side of the tracks that you lived. It won't matter whether you were beautiful or whether you were brilliant. Your gender and skin color will be irrelevant, so what will matter? How will the value of your days be measured? What will matter is not what you bought, but what you built. Not what you got, but what you gave. Not your success, but your significance. Not what you learned, but what you taught. What will matter is every act of integrity, compassion, courage, and sacrifice that enriched, empowered, and encouraged others to emulate your example. What will matter is not your competence, but your character. Not how many people you knew, but how many will feel a lasting loss when you're gone. Not your memories, but the memories of those that have gone on before you. What will matter is how long you'll be remembered by whom and for what. Living a life that matters doesn't happen by accident. It's not a matter of circumstance, but rather it's a matter of choice. And ready or not, it will all come to an end. There'll be no more sunrises, no more hours or minutes. And everything that we collected, whether treasured or forgotten, will pass to someone else. Young people, old people, middle-aged people, all of you. Today, choose to live a life that matters. God, we thank you. We praise you. We exalt you. God, I pray that I die. I pray church people will die. And that we will crucify, our cro crucify ourselves on a cross and say, God, no longer I that live. But it's you that lives in me, the Holy Spirit. Pour out. May we stop coming just for gatherings all over our country, but may we come to seek you and to know you, to find you. The only hope for our nation is you. God, I pray for a special Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled anointing all over our churches, but God, I pray that you start right here with my body, my family. God, I pray in the name of Jesus over every one of them, young people. God, I pray that you will put just a spirit of love all over them, a spirit of joy all over them, a spirit of peace all over them, love and joy and peace, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, and self-control, the fruit of the spirit. May they be anointed with that, Father. We love you. We thank you. God, may this year, 
This coming year be the best year of conduit. May we double in size, not for sake of numbers, but every number represents a soul. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that many will be added daily to our church body. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will anoint us with finances, that we may be able to give sacrificially. And God, what we do have, may we have a garage sale, get rid of it and give it. May we give to the point that it hurts, not because we wanna help someone in Africa, not because we wanna help someone in Haiti, but because we love you so much, we wanna give you our all. God, in the name of Jesus, as we are the hope because you sent us here to be your hands and feet, may you anoint us with your spirit and may we claim it in Jesus' name, amen.